welcome to episode, it is number 273, get out of town. Great question, man of God? I'm not so sure, Ken Wetmore. I'm not so sure. You're saying you're not sure if I'm a man of God? Ken Wetmore's a man of God, oh. that I know. Well. But Ken says some messed up stuff. I do. And the Bible says some messed up stuff. That's true as well. We've ascertained that Jesus says some messed up stuff. Yes. And I'm wondering, is it just the ears that are messed up listening and interpreting this stuff that makes it messed up? It's probably a little bit more likely. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, it amazes me, though, to watch Ken, because if you just sat here in the podcast as he was getting excited last week to tackle this subject, and it was like a kid in a candy store. He gets way excited to think about these way. kinds of things. And I'm like, I'm a little intimidated at the subject matter. And, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm like, if you go back and you watch Ken's face, the first time the question was asked, he's like, oh, man, this is awesome. <laughs> and he's like, I just feel like he's been on this high to tackle this message and this subject. It truly was a great question. It was. It was a great question. It is. And no doubt about it. It was an absolute great question. And then last week, go listen to the podcast. I listened to it again uh, in a couple places where we were talking about it. And there's, there is detectable glee in his voice, in the, in that he is going to be talking about this with us. And I think that really when you you stop and think about the story, if you're not someone that's familiar with it, maybe you've just read it and you don't understand it. Do we need to set it up for people who are just listening to podcasts and maybe didn't catch the sermon? Or, I, think, I, mean, I think we're going to. Okay. Because really, to me, this is like a rolling dumpster on fire full of velvet sledgehammers that yeah. could be flying in any direction. And I don't know. I don't know where to dodge. It's kind of like the Matrix. Kind of. And so here, us mere mortals are just left skimming the text in question. We drop a quick prayer like, if this means something that I can put to use somehow, God, please, <laughs> like, you know, just hit me in the head with a two-by-four, but make it the clear. The sledgehammer inside of the rolling yeah, dumpster. There inside you go. of the dumpster, right. So, but thank you for taking this journey of the often unlooked, because I think sometimes it's good to just challenge ourselves and go, I'm not going to go quiver in the corner and not yeah. even think about it. Right. Because it can be daunting. So let's set it up. Yeah, go for it. Give us the. Give us the. Oh, I thought you. I, th no, I was no, no. so excited there for a minute. I no, thought you were going to. No, it I up. can't. No, I couldn't do no. it justice. Not like you're going to. First Kings thirteen, mm -hmm. right? And uh, the story uh, picks up actually from First Kings twelve, mm -hmm. and it, it, there's the context is always important. Always, always in right? everything, yep. really, and so the context here is important. There's a there's King Jeroboam who's who's become king over the ten tribes of Israel. All that's left to King David and his dynasty is the tribe of Judah, really. And so uh, Jeroboam has taken over the other ten tribes. And when it happened, God was unhappy with David's dynasty, specifically with Solomon, because Solomon had led his people towards idolatry. And so he says, basically, hey, um, since you, you're going that route, I'm not going to take away everything from you, but I'm going to take away almost everything from you mm. and give it to somebody who hopefully will lead my people correctly. And that that person was King Jeroboam. And and God tells Jeroboam, hey, look, um, if you go ahead and lead my people correctly, keep them away from idols and do what I've asked you to do, I want to give you an everlasting dynasty too. And Jeroboam no sooner gets that, and he's like, yeah, I don't know if I can trust you, God. I mean, I know you gave me these 10 tribes, but nah, <laughs> I don't know. So, because he gets really afraid because he's like, all the people in my tribes are going to have to travel up to Judah to Jerusalem to worship. And if they go up there all the time, then maybe they're going to like go, oh, that David's dynasty, it wasn't as bad as we remember it being. So, he's afraid of that. So, what does he do? He goes and he sets up two altars on the opposite ends of his kingdom. And he says, hey, you guys can go there and worship. That God's okay with that. And he builds two golden calves. 
and uh, builds these altars and says, hey, everybody, just go to one of these two places. You don't need to go up to Jerusalem. God doesn't need you to do that anymore. And so the Bible says he led them right into idolatry, uh, you know, very quickly right after God had promised to give him everything. So that's the setup for 1 Kings 13. Why is it always a calf? You know, it's that's an interesting thing. It's, it's because it was a symbol that was coming out of Egypt. Remember when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, and there was symbolism there for what the people thought was going to be their God. And so that there, it actually, for whatever reason, they were wanting to associate that gold, that that a calf with the God of the Israelites, with Yahweh. I figured it had to be something because we got the calf, mm-hmm. you know, not too long after the departure right. from Egypt. And then here again, it's like two calves. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's got to be something mm-hmm. to, to tie this together. Okay. So. So First Kings 13 rolls around, right? Right. And it, so. God is not God is merciful, full of grace, and instead of just saying to Jeroboam, I'm going to zap you and you were going to be done, he sends a prophet to him, a man of God. I guess that's his name, man of God. There's only 13 or so people in the Bible that get that designation, by the way, so it's a pretty special designation. Yeah. So this guy is pretty pretty spectacular. He shows up, and he basically says to—he shows up while Jeroboam is offering an, a sacrifice on the altar, and he says, hey— this altar is going to be split into the sacred ashes that are going to fall off of it. It's going to be assigned to you. And then, by the way, another king named Josiah, Josiah is going to come along, and he's going to uh, burn the bones of priests and all the, all those of you who led you astray on the on this altar. And uh, then you'll know, you know, you'll know that that God is God. And King uh, Jeroboam, being a king and not liking to, you know, like most of us who are in charge of things, don't like to be uh, have people get in our way. Um, the the uh, says, uh, you know, grab that guy, and he sticks his hand out to point at the the prophet, the the man of God, and his hand immediately withers. And so um, he, now he's scared. He said, "Oh, please pray for me and heal my hand." And the king of the the you know, the the man of God being full of grace that prays for him, his hand is healed. And then King Jeroboam says, hey, well, why don't you come home and have a meal with me? And the man of God says, can't do that. God told me not to eat anywhere and to go go home by a different route than I came. So he take, heads off. This old prophet now enters the picture. His his sons come home and tell him about what, what happened and everything, what the king, what the man of God said. So the old prophet hurries after the uh, man of God, finds him, and invites him to come home. The man of God says, can't do it. I'm supposed to be headed home. Can't eat with anybody. And the old prophet goes, hey, you're a man of God. I'm a man of God. Or I'm a, you're, you're a prophet. I'm a prophet. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, it's all, it's all good. Yeah. Um, an angel appeared to me and told me that he wants you to come eat with me. And so the man of God goes, well, if you say so, here I come. And so that's what he does. And so he goes and he eats at this guy's house. And in the middle of the meal, which, I mean, who wouldn't like to have their meal interrupted with this? The old prophet gets a vision from God or a message from God and says, hey, you, you were disobedient for me. Now you're not going to be buried in the tomb of your fathers. And what I love about this story, by the way, which I didn't point out in the sermon, is the man of God finishes eating his meal. Because I'm figuring he's thinking, well, you know, well, okay, <laughs> better finish it. <laughs> better, better do it. <laughs> better make it worth it. <laughs> hope it was good. Yeah, I hope it was good. So anyway, so he takes off. Uh, lion kills him on the way home. Doesn't eat his body. Stands. Lion stands right beside the donkey. Doesn't touch the donkey either. Like just he's they standing just, guard or yeah, something. Yeah, just standing guard there. People pass by. They see what's happened. The old prophet finds out. The old prophet comes back, finds the man of God. And says, "Oh, my brother, oh my brother, and uh, you know, too bad that you disobey God. Now I'm going to bury you." And so he buries the man of God in his own tomb and tells his sons, "Now make sure you bury me right there beside that man of God, because everything he said in his prophecy is going to come true." And that's the end of that amazing story. That is why Ken... actually it isn't the end. 
No. Because in Second Kings, King Josiah comes along and does exactly what the man of God says. That's, That's the, the end of the story. Now, see, folks, that is why Ken did the abridged version right there because he did that in under not eight minutes. And Randy, Randy would have been in 20 and I'd have still been going now after that because it had been really slow and arduous for me to do it because I didn't write it down in order because I was counting on Ken to have that part wrapped up because <laughs> he's really excited about it. Not that I'm not, but I'm not going to I'm not going to do it as good as Ken. You've got to get excited about this, Randy. I, like, the, I'm, I'm going for a whole series on the book of Judges. <laughs> oh, I'm, no. I'm just, that's what I'm Woo! talking about right there. All right. That's going to be uh, coming up in 2023. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, never know. Yeah, never know. We don't give away too much. No, not we shouldn't. You said every story in the Bible is purposeful. Yes. So the last seven and a half minutes or so, seven minutes, there is this incredible story with, it just seems like a simple case of, hey, you know what? I messed up, right? Yep. I should have followed God. Yep. The king who proved, I mean, his hand was withered. I had to I had to pray on his behalf to get his hand healed. But now I got this guy who seems to be one of me. Right, he's a he's a prophet. He said he's a prophet. I mean, I don't know. Did they have credentials? Did he check? Probably not. Obviously not. But maybe he was a prophet. So I'm comfortable. I let my guard down. I go to eat, and now I know I'm I've totally blown it. But all of the setup. I mean, there's so many moving parts that I'm like, where do we start with this on a deeper dive? Because there's so many different parts. But why is this the narrative for this story when we probably could have gotten there in a lot shorter? Is this is this just old storytelling that confuses us and just forces us to maybe sit down and really think about it, really compare things, really understand? Or is this just meant to be a story that we just kind of go, oh, that's nice? No, this is life. Right. That's this is life. Life is messy. Think yeah. about your own life. I mean, <laughs> life is messy. Think about my life. My it's messy. And yeah. and what God is being recording here in the Bible is life. He's recording a real life story and it's life. It's all of our lives are a lot more messy than we like to admit. And you can oh, just yeah. imagine if somebody oh, was yeah. reading about your life in, in a couple <laughs> thousand years from now and be like Wow. <laughs> and I'd have to and I'd be wondering the same thing. God, why in the world would you have included that yeah. story out of all these things? The other thing that's happening here is like I've said on this podcast more than once, we live in a high context society and they lived in a low context society and that just means that that we uh, when we tell stories, we we include a lot of details in them. And in those times they didn't. They didn't include the details because they it, they relied on the the hearer or reader of the story to know to understand the context behind sure. it. So when you, you, you mentioned this little detail, you know, you fill in all the rest of the, the picture with it um, as you go. And so um, and so when you hear this story, it sounds strange, but to somebody living back then, there would have been a lot of nuance, a lot of, and they'd be like, ooh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Because this really, it's funny, I was reading an article on Frank Lloyd Wright, who is probably my favorite architect. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about this as I'm reading through, because I'm like, let me get out the old leather paper Bible. Let's read through this, right? We're not going to read yeah. it on a phone. Let's you know, try to go a little retro. This story is like a bunch of blueprints that Frank Lloyd Wright would have given a rookie to go, all right, let's put this house together. Let's get this done and to try to follow this. And I know that it sounds, it sounds silly, but when you start following all the different pieces and parts of it, there's, it's like, there's so much of an onion in this story and yeah. there's so many pieces that I think I understand it now. But I didn't have a clue beforehand. I thought you did a really good job of pulling it in and presenting it in a way that we can understand. But 
when we look at this story and then we look at and we'll get to the some maybe some of the lessons, but what do we do when we come across these stories or these things in the Bible where we just tend to throw up our hands and go, ah, I don't I think that's one of those things that God just doesn't we won't know that till we get to heaven. So we just kind of bypass it. But then I'm like, no, 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 because this this was an intri- not only an intriguing story. There was great lessons to be learned. And when you really start to understand it, then it becomes a little more nuanced of a story that you're like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But I didn't get that the first time. Last year, I told you I read this story when we were going through it with the group, and I totally didn't get any of that. Yeah. How do we attack these when we get into a situation like this to try to – because I think we're losing it out. We're losing out if we don't don't understand. Oh, big time. And I – I think a certain kind of mind enjoys these kind of stories, and I've got a <laughs> twisted, weird mind that just loves this kind of thing. And so I think a lot of probably normal people, and you say, how how do we go about it? I don't know how we do it. I know how I, I do, do it. <laughs> and I don't think I'm the, I'm, I don't think I'm the uh, prototypical uh, uh, we in this particular story. And it's not even because I'm like a pastor, because this is long before I became a pastor. I just love these kind of stories. And the way that I approach it, and I can't tell you how you should approach it, but what I would tell you is that the way I approach it is with that. That's why I said what I said at the very beginning. Every story is there for a purpose. And so for me, I look at that story and I I just look for what what could God be trying to tell me? And I'll roll it around in my mind for days. Okay, well, I, and come at it from different angles and, and from other stories that I know in the Bible and from the other principles that I know from the Bible and from the commandments and from Pauline writings. And, and I just kind of come at it from all these different things and say, okay, so what's God really trying to say through this story to me and why is it here? Because it is here on purpose. It was not just the person's like, wow, this one's going to get you entertained. Yeah, yeah, this one, this one, boy, this is crazy. You're never going to believe this. Not, no point to it, just putting it here just because, just because yeah. you're never, I mean, what an interesting story. No, it's it's actually very, very much there on purpose. When you think about all the history, everything that was going on, all the things that they could have included that they didn't include in the Bible, God very purposefully put things, uh, inspired people to put things into the Bible that um, that are there to instruct us, to teach us, to help us to know what God wants us to know when it comes to having a relationship with him and to being in relationship. And everything comes back to that. Everything comes back to being in relationship with God. And if you can't find the relationship in the story, go back and go back and go back. And then there's a ton of great resources out there. If you, if you, yeah. you can just Google man of God eaten by lion, and you'll probably find a ton of different sermons and uh, resources, resources yeah, and things sure. like this. So you can, I mean, something as simple as just a, a Google search can actually take you a long way on things. Now, uh, you know, I I pay to have some resources there for me. I'm not I'm not a genius by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I have some resources that I can tap into that uh, that some software that goes through a lot of um, different theological books and and published articles and things like that where yeah. I can kind of look up and, and find out information, find out the background, find out that the different uh, nuances that would have been very apparent to a listener in that time or a reader in that time that aren't as apparent to us. Uh, there's been a lot of archaeology done, a lot of history that uh, that helps you understand some of this stuff. In it. And when you do that, suddenly you start seeing the picture much more clear, clearly because the, the parts that were missing are being filled in. Filled in, yeah. yeah. Well, I like the idea what you said about kind of camping out there for a little bit yeah. until, you know, for a couple of days. It always seems like we need to be on to the next thing. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we get busy reading the Bible instead of just kind of letting it sink in or 
moving on before maybe God's had a chance to really let that piece or that lesson or whatever we're supposed to be grabbing from that piece really before it sinks in. And sometimes just being slow seems to be the way to go. And I don't you know, know when you have your worship in the morning, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes our worship in the morning is a very allocated amount of time, right? We say, okay, I've got, you know, 30 minutes or I've got an hour or I've got five minutes or I've got 30 seconds or whatever it is that you yeah, have. And you yeah. say, well, I'm going to have my worship in the morning and we compartmentalize it. Okay. I did my worship. Now I'm going to move on into, I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to go on my work day. I'm going to do this. Well, what if you took your worship with you all day long? Yeah. What if you took that story or whatever it was and really let it be a part of your day? Sure. It, it doesn't just stay in that little whatever segment of time. It, it's a part of your entire day where you let it roll around in your head and you think about it and you think, well, how does that apply to what I'm doing right now? And how does it apply? You know, it may be hard to think about how an altar splitting two and a king's hand be withered would have anything to do with uh, working on the spreadsheet that you're working on yeah. or whatever. But it's amazing to me that when I do that, and 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 I can say this and, and you know, I have not always been a pastor, and I can tell you that when I worked in uh, fields that were not where I wasn't getting a paycheck to be a pastor, when I was working in broadcast news, public relations, communications, I did this. I would take that with me in, the, in my work field, and, I would, and I, it was amazing how many times God would make something in my day, and I'd go, oh, wow, that really—okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love those moments. Yeah, isn't that cool? I like it when those happen when—and sometimes—and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, that my— my worship time usually happens at night because it's when it's quiet. It's when I think the most mm-hmm. clearly in the morning. I'm just not a good person overall. Let's I'll just be honest. I'm not. You don't like me in the morning. Most people wouldn't, and I'm just I'm just not with it yet. Yeah. And so, and a lot of times I'll go to I'll go to sleep with it. Yeah. And then when you wake up, you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. and that's usually where the conflict comes because yeah. your your subconscious couldn't figure it out while you were sleeping, and then somewhere in my day it'll be like. Oh, yeah. Those are just (laughs) – those are the parts to me that make all that part or camping out and waiting make it worth it because those are really good feel-good moments where you feel like God is just kind of nudging you and like, oh, here's that little morsel you were thinking on and you've been thinking on. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. And hey, I'm just going to tell you that's that's actually – I love that you say that because that actually is a practice that I have. When I have a tough sermon that I'm working on or a a piece of scripture that I'm really wrestling through, I will usually try to look it over before I go to bed for, you know, a few minutes and then go to sleep on it. Yeah. And it's amazing what will happen. Your subconscious will work on it sometimes at night and you'll wake up and then later on the day you'll have, oh, wow, what about this? So I... I love it. It's what works for me, and so yeah. that's uh, I. That's great, Randy. I th- like that. The morning is the morning is useless for me in most cases. <laughs> just be <laughs> honest. But all right, you also said now one of the lessons that we learned here. We kind of touched on it briefly. Just that you know sometimes we put our guard down around good people because mm. you said uh, good people, people who love Jesus, and then we broke out the velvet sledgehammer. Lie. What good people? People who love Jesus lie. And it's all throughout the Bible, and it's all throughout Randy's life, and you know, probably you know, maybe through Ken's life. Yeah. Out of all the lessons that that one really, when you said that, immediately I'm like, none of us likes to be lied to. It's something we've all done. We we still do it. We will do it in the future. And it's so easy to just let it slip on occasion, even if it's oh, it's just a little white lie, and it came out. And you're like, well, that's not really that big of a deal. Am I going to make a bigger deal about it? And then people are going to go, why did you make a big deal about it when it wasn't really that big of a deal? There's something else going on here. You're like, do I really want to open up that can of worms when it was just a slip of the tongue in some cases? 
But those are so often the root of the most devastating moments of our lives mm -hmm. eventually down the road. Why is it that it's something that we all don't like, we all do, we don't like what happens to us, but we're going to trust each other because I like Ken's the pastor. I'm going to trust Ken not yeah. to lie to me. Right. And then even if it wasn't an intentional lie, it was a slip of the tongue. You didn't even maybe sometimes you didn't even realize it. We can do so much damage that way. Yeah. Because betrayal is really mm -hmm. like that's it. It's half truths. It's white lies. It's outright deception. If oh. this is our downfall, how can we write our thinking and our honesty? How do we get better at that? Just or or maybe more purposeful, I guess is is what I'm asking because I feel like this can be something that most people, some people don't even realize they're doing, or they don't realize the extent of it. And we, I think this is like that goes right along with gossiping. I think it's the worst thing we do as Christians is we just can't can't not tell the story. We just can't not let this information because it's killing me. Right? I know what I got to say it. And yet it's at the root of all of this, and we but we got to be able to trust each other and we have to be able to lift each other up. How do we get better at not only being our at maybe monitoring ourselves but helping others to say it's hard to tell someone Ken are you sure you're being honest about that <laughs> you know are you sure uh, no, we sure we sure live in a world where a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about what truth is, don't we and it's it's such a touchy area, and it can i'll I'll admit if I find out someone lied to me. Ah, that's probably yeah. my heart. That's probably my hardest forgive. Yeah, this is what's been sticking with me since the message was: how do I correct myself when I find myself, you know, saying a, a half truth, a white lie, an outright truth, an outright lie, whatever? And then how do I help someone else that I probably, in many cases, really like? And then it's like, but uh, do, how do I approach this in a in a, in the right way? What do you think? Yeah, that's hard. I, I don't think um, I don't think there is an easy answer to it. No, I, I just know. think that the truth is the way that we fix our honesty issues is by getting closer to Jesus. You know, spending time with Him and allowing Him to change our heart, giving the Holy Spirit permission to to change us, and asking the Holy Spirit. And that's painful because you know I don't know if you've ever done ask God to help you be a better person, and specifically ask. Well, you know. You could specifically say, help me to be telling the truth. And then all of a sudden you're going to start noticing all the lies that you are telling that you <laughs> you never even noticed and uh, you never really yeah. even thought about. And, the, and it can be very painful as God shows that to you. It yeah. can be very painful. And But what a good thing to have happen, right? Yeah. Um, because it's not like other people don't notice, right? People notice when you're doing that. So how do you help other people? I think you start off by being an honest person yourself, and then I think you do. If, if when you have a relationship with somebody, I think you can gently say to them, "Hey, I know she said this. That's not. I don't believe that's true." Or, you know, in a gentle way, um, just say, "Hey, look, where did you get that fact from, or where are you getting that information from?" But but this goes back to something else. I really want. I hope they came across in the sermon. Good people tell lies. Yeah, right. Good people. People yeah. who. Um, they're, they're, and I see it in two different categories. I see the people who um, tell lies on on purpose, and the ones who are telling lies accidentally. They they either haven't done their research, they haven't looked into things themselves, but they're trusting somebody else, so they're passing that information on from somewhere that they heard a, a politician, a doctor, a, some somebody that they they put some trust in. They haven't done their own research on it, and they just pass it on. Um, and then sometimes even uh, they'll keep passing on even when there's other evidence that seems like 
it doesn't stack up with that. And and so the first thing I think we have to do is stop demonizing each other and saying, oh, you can't be a good person because you did that. <laughs> you're you're a, you're a terrible person. Yeah. Can we just agree that there's some people who who we don't like what they're saying. We recognize that what they're saying isn't true, but maybe they're not a bad person. Yeah. Maybe they're misguided. Maybe they're believing something they shouldn't. Maybe there's insecurities or past experience that causes them pain that that causes them to to go ahead and believe something and, and and spread something that isn't necessarily true. Now, that's the side of things where it's somebody who's inadvertently telling lies. Now, there's the people who blatantly lie. They know what they're doing. They very purposefully do what they're doing. I have a little less feeling that those are good people, okay? <laughs> but people like that, there are people in the Bible— I think about Abraham and David. Mm -hmm. These are really good examples of this. That what they did is really bad. Yeah. And they aren't a good person as they do it. So I'm not saying they're a good person. And yet they are a child of God. They are somebody who is in a relationship with God and trying to to do what's right eventually. And when God—I think the difference, though, is that when God calls them out, they change. Like Abraham yeah. and David, when God calls them out and says, hey, look, unacceptable, both of those guys said, oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I think that's one of the things that we have that I think distinguishes good people from bad people, really, uh, that when you're, when you're called out, you're willing to sit back, look at it, and say, am I making a mistake here? Oh, wow. Yeah. When God calls you out. And so— but like I said, we all want to have this this like black and white viewpoint that there's good people and there's bad people. Good people don't do bad things and bad people don't do good things. Well, we've hopefully all live long enough to recognize that there are some really terrible people that do some really good things. Yeah. And there's some really good people that do some really horrendous things. things. Yeah. And so in all of that comes the grace of God. In all of that, and Thank so you. and so, that's where we have to go ahead and have that same grace as well for the people. Yeah. And I, I know, I, you know, you said talked about people who lie to you. That just that's the hardest thing, and it, it is. It is like there's nothing harder than to have somebody lie to you or about you in such a way that it costs you personally, professionally, financially to have grace for that person. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to do. It can take time sometimes. A lot of time. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the man of God label because in this story, this just seems to add on <laughs> David and others, really seems to allow for opportunities at a low bar for achievement. <laughs> you know, this just really seems to reinforce that, that either that or there's hope for me. I, I don't know which way to interpret this. Um, it's a high bar, right? But the good news is Jesus cleared the bar. <laughs> he cleared the bar. Yeah. Every time I hear that, it really does, though. It, the first thing that pops in my head every single time is there's hope for Randy. Yeah. Because – I'd like to think that someday when I get done, I will hear, Randy, you were my good and faithful servant, and you were a man after God's own heart. Yeah. That, 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 would, that would truly be with all, all the flaws and all the past and everything that will ha- you know, come in the future, that that will be what we hear. And it really plays into what you're saying, that I think all of us as Christians, if you've given your life to Jesus, at some moment, you believed wholeheartedly that Jesus was the answer that Jesus was going to be what was going to change you, what was going to make you a better person, make your life better, not without trouble, but better and more – give yourself a foundation. And yet 
you know, there's still consequences and those shouldn't be a surprise either because here we go. You know, here's the guy who's trusting, well, hey, I'm a prophet. So, yeah, I'll, I'll come home and eat yeah. with you. And it's like, boo. Yeah. Now, <laughs> like you said, enjoy the meal because this, yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. And so I, I hate to – I don't like the idea of that we, you know, that we scare ourselves into trying to be a better person, that we continue to rely on Jesus. But you also can't overlook the obvious that – There are consequences, There right? are consequences. And if I, you walk off a cliff, gravity doesn't hate you. <laughs> no. You, it, it's kind of neutral. It's, it's not it, – you know, it's not like it's like, well – there are consequences in life. Yeah. There are natural consequences. It's not about God hating you. It's about there's a consequence. Right. That this happens and X happens. Um, and, and so it's understanding that when you do something that God's not asked you not to, that he did it for a reason. Yeah. And the reason is usually because it's going to cause you pain <laughs> if you do it, not because God hates you, right, but because right. that's the natural consequence of what comes out of it. Now, you could look at this man of God and think, okay, but God sent the lion. What's the consequence of, I mean, you know, God, this was a truly a punishment from God. And so where's the consequence? But you have to, you know, as I point, I hopefully I made the point in this sermon, there was a lot on the line for what this guy was doing. Yeah. This guy was sending him, had been entrusted with an important message from God, not just to a king, but to an entire Tire. country. Yeah, yeah, everybody. Uh, to these 10 tribes of Israel. And they were all watching what was happening. And this guy had been told specifically what to do. I, I think somebody in our questions asked, well, why? what was the big deal with him having a meal? Why did God even tell him not to have a meal? Why did God say he couldn't go eat in the first place? I mean, wouldn't it have been nicer for God just to say, go deliver the message without stipulation? Well, the interesting thing about it is that these two things were actually for this man's protection. If he'd gone home to eat with the king, what was to say the king wasn't going to kill him, poison, poison him, him, right? Yeah, yeah. Do any number of those different things, and or corrupt him, uh, yeah. give him gifts, and say, "Hey, can you just change the, uh, can, you know, change a little bit of the tune of what you said?" And say, "Hey, I made, I made, made a little bit of mistake here, Jeroboam, not such a bad sure. guy." God's and why, why even put yourself yeah. in the temptation? And when you put yourself, and the other part is that when by eating with somebody in those times, you were you were basically saying, uh, "We're good, we're friends." This person's in the right. They're okay. Yeah. And so if the prophet had gone home and eaten with the king, it would have been like, hey, all's good. All wasn't good. Jeroboam hadn't really repented. He hadn't really changed. So all wasn't good. So there's a message being sent to these 10 tribes of Israel that, that no, this isn't okay. And in the in the nuance of that text that, that doesn't really show up real well in our English Bibles is that what what's really being said by King Jeroboam to this man of God is, I've got a bribe for you. Yeah. He says, come home, have a meal with me, and I have a gift for you. And what, what he's saying is, hey, come back and, and let's, let's chat. Let's go ahead and see how we can figure this let's, out. Let's and, and if we can figure this out, I've got something good for you. Yeah. And if not, what then? If right. the, what if the man says so? God's so this is again part of God's protection for this prophet saying don't don't do that. Well, why why go home a different way than he came? Well, again, his protection. If you um, you know kind of fieldcraft one hundred and one. Um, if you're in the military, you know don't come back the same way you went out. Right. The enemy will booby trap the, the 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 way that you came out in hopes that you're going to come back, back that, that way. way. Yeah, and so that's the exact. Thing that God was trying to say to this guy, don't go back that way because you could be killed. So God was actually trying to protect this man. This man, by the way, tells the king that information. 
says, God told me not to do it. So what happens now? If nothing happens to this guy, if not, if there's no – if he eats with the old prophet, heads home, there's appear to be no consequences, then the whole nation goes, nah, maybe – I mean, I know there's some weird stuff that happened. The altar, it split, but maybe that was because the fire was too hot and the limestone just naturally cracked. Right, and, yeah. and the hand, maybe that was just a, you know, a moment of uh, you know, the king got – you know, became really afraid, and so it was just some sort of natural weird thing, and then you know it just, and so and so your whole message is blown. A whole group of people that you're trying to bring back into relationship with God. Eternal consequences here. These people are that's all threatened because this man didn't listen to what God asked him to do, and didn't do this what, and and I don't judge him because I've done this a million times myself, sure. and I am. Where I have known God wanted me to do one thing, and then kind of somebody else was like, "Hey, but you could do this." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to do that. So <laughs> if you say I can, let's do that." Yeah. And so I'm not trying to be judgmental of him, but what I am saying is, what we all ought to do is take a really hard think about that. Yeah. And stop doing that and saying if if we're told that something's okay that that we know that God has told us in the past isn't, we probably ought to check back in with God before we go and do something that we've been told wasn't okay before. We should really pray about it, really spend some time in God's Word, really wrestling with it before we change our opinion. Now, that's not to say we should never change our opinion. Right. That doesn't mean that we don't grow in our insight with God, but what we need to do is go back to God and ask Him for permission before we go and do something that's different than what we've been told in the past. Well, and put yourself in that, that, uh, the man of God's position. I mean, if God was sending you on a mission today that was very clear to you in the same way, it's probably because you've been praying and yeah. you're like, before I do this, there is a definite risk of bodily harm. Mm-hmm. There's definite risk yeah. of, of you know, who knows what. And so God protect me. Yeah. You know, and, and then it's like, well, I did, but you you didn't yeah. you didn't do what I asked you to do. And so, like you said, there there's a cause and effect, and we all know it. And sometimes we, I think, we assume that God will be like, "That's ah, okay. You, you were close, and you meant well. <laughs> you, you meant well." And and not that that makes him vindictive. It just mm-hmm. makes him for the all the reasons you just laid yeah. out. In order for people to know that this is what God really wanted to happen, it needs to be obvious that this is what really what, what God really wanted to happen. Yeah. And God's message, nothing ever changes. So and he doesn't change. He is who he is, yeah. and so we can't be the agents of disruption or yeah. chaos, as it were. So so many things that you could just go on forever. But with this story, there's just so many layers. What's the one thing that we can just like hold on to, take away every time we think of this story, and we're going to remember Ken. We're going to remember Ken's smile, his excitement for this story. We're going to remember that we learned a couple of things. What's the one thing you hope that just pops into our mind when we think about this? Ask God. Ask God. Ask God. Always ask God. Trust but verify. (laughs) Whenever you know, and and that goes for my sermons. That goes for anything I say. I mean, sure, yeah. I, I think that. Um, you know, no matter who it is and no matter how much you trust that person, ask God. Yeah. Spend time. Check it out for yourself. Don't just take things at face value. I can't tell you um, how much time I spend as a pastor trying to help people work through things that have been told by other pastors, and they're like, oh, but that's true because he said it. Well, I said, okay, but th- that's not what the Bible says. That's not what research <laughs> says. That's not what any of these things say. Yeah. Well, but— He's a good guy. Yeah. He's he, she, they're good people. But 
they're misguided in a best case scenario. Could be wrong. And maybe in a worst case scenario, they're very deliberately trying to sell something to you that that isn't uh, what God would want you to have sold to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I, would, I just – that's the and, one – I mean that's one of many lessons that, that well, come out of this. But, you know, anyway. But, yeah. yeah. You know, can I – Go Do for we it. have time? You know what? We're over our normal time, and that's okay because I really you felt like— You can throw this into a bonus section if you want. Okay. I'll tell you what. That's that. Let's you know, do this. I'm. You can cut right here and go to whatever you want to, and people who want to hear the bonus can hear it later, okay? Okay. All right. So if you're listening right now, that means that you have just missed our bonus content that will be coming out on Friday. So we dropped off kind of abruptly. We did that on purpose because— I'm hoping it left you with, well, I wonder what they were talking about. Well, tune into the bonus episode and you'll find out it is in your feed or will be in your feed right below the episode or above the episode, excuse me, that you're listening to now. Hey, Randy. Yeah. I, I, I need to wish my brother a happy birthday then. Oh, that's right, because yeah. I just cut that off, didn't I? You cut that I off. I totally did that wrong. You'll hear that in the bonus edition, but that will be on Friday. So I need to say happy birthday, birthday right now to my to brother. It's his – my brother Chris. Yeah, very good. Okay. You have a good memory there, Randy. Oh, very man. good memory. I, it took me 30 seconds. Yeah, there there you go. Happy birthday, Chris. It's uh, his his birthday. I'm sure he's not a day over 40. No, no, probably not. No, and Randy's not a day over something. I'm not even sure what that's going to be coming up. Ugh. Anyway. All right. So we are continuing on. So go and Friday, set your calendar, watch your feed. That uh, bonus episode and that's going to be important up. too because Friday is Randy's birthday. So oh, if you want to give him man. a gift. Now see, now look at how good your memory is. See? Yeah, you, exactly. That, you, you went like two minutes and still I did. Remembered. I did pretty good. So Randy, Randy's birthday is on Friday. So you have to listen to the bonus content because there's going to be an <laughs> opportunity to reach out to him <laughs> in that. Wish him a happy birthday. Send him a cake. Get him flowers. This I don't is, know. What do you, this is going to be a, a this is gonna be an absolute mess to edit. You know that, right? I don't care because <laughs> I'm not editing it. I'm not editing it. Lessons we all can learn <laughs> from this story. It. All right. We did have two quick questions from the Q&A. I think they're pretty easy, but I'm glad we had them. First is from It's Lavender. What makes a person good? Nothing. Oh, I thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah. The Bible says nobody is righteous, not even one. The truth of it is, is that really none of us are good. Only Jesus is good. Only so, God is good. So good people really don't lie. <laughs> is that what <laughs> you're telling me, Ken? Point. You got me on that one. Okay. But I'd like to go ahead and no. if we go ahead and extend it out, what makes a person good? I think what makes a person good is their desire to follow Jesus. Mm, I, like I think that. that's what, in my mind— makes a good person. And so when you hear me saying that in the sermon, that would be the way I would define it. I know the Bible says not one is righteous, not only God is good, but I do believe that as I broaden it out a little bit, that that, that uh, people who choose and want to be following Jesus, those are good people. I like that definition because that means there's hope for Andy. Amen. Amen. All right. Chatty teen. I might know that girl. She might be blonde. She might sit next to me in church every so often. Be somewhat chatty. Yeah, she's somewhat chatty. The lying old prophet was testing the man of God from Judah, maybe to see if he would ask God about the invitation. What do you think? To see if you would ask God. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's. I think that's a completely reasonable assumption. Yeah, could be. Could be. Could be. Listen to the bonus content, Chatty Teen, because that will give you more ideas of more where, ideas of what else could be going on here. So don't miss that. That'll be coming out again on Friday. I'm going to tell you that more than once before we close. This week we had all of our whole life reflections were really good. There was four of them, and I picked just one as always. And it asked, "Are there any beliefs in your life you are just taking on someone else's word, but haven't studied for yourself?" 
this has been a pet peeve of mine at growing up Adventist where, you know, we have the truth. You know, we, we have a preamble that says the truth can change, but I don't think I've ever seen that in my lifetime. And if I did, I just wasn't aware of it. But all of these – so if you go to our sister podcast, Speaking of Grace, it's already up for this week. It contains the message. Please don't miss the message, number one, because while we did go briefly through everything uh, in the setup, Ken's setup was superb for this week, and we included the scripture in the podcast. So it's a really nice bundle where if you sit down and listen to it, it really puts a nice uh, – an overall theme to this story that you can really digest and have some fun with and then come back and listen to the bonus content. And I think you'll find that all fits in really, really well. But you know, the the church that I grew up in was very much a take my word for it and because I told you so. I mean we have smart people that have figured all this out and I don't know why you're questioning it. Right. So, you know, like someone a whole lot smarter did the, did the math. It works. And it seems easier – but when is easier ever been better is what it always comes back to me. I need to know what I believe because that's going to require some study. It's going to require prayer. And I love to get people on this side and people on this side. And then I usually find a little bit here that I think is probably pertinent, a little bit here. And I'm not saying you have to formulate the correct opinion and be right on everything. But I like to know and say this is what I believe. And that way when you say it, someone else can go, you know, I used to think that way too. But guess what I found? I found this and I think this. So it's not so much about – it's also about being vulnerable, not about being right or pounding somebody down because I have an opinion. But if you have an opinion and you know what you believe or as much as you think you know or you can, I think it opens us up for conversations like we just had in the bonus episode for Friday that there's a lot of possibilities and maybe not – they're all not huge – Life's, you know, they're not all salvonic in nature and, you know, we, we're going to heaven if we believe it. We're going to hell if we don't. Maybe there's just some nuances that we can learn to love Jesus a little bit more because we have a belief, whether it's completely correct or not. Maybe nobody can prove it is or it isn't. But I think that's the richness. That's the flavor. That's the that's the love for each other that we have. And I, I think that's really important. And I just want to be able to articulate my position to someone who asks. Yeah, you know, I think that the biggest um, reason why people leave Christianity and the Seventh-day Adventist Church specifically is because at no point were they encouraged to really dig deep and know it for themselves. They're taught a bunch of talking points, and anytime they question those talking points, they're, they're told, get back on script, don't think about it too much, just trust us, somebody else has done the work and the math works. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one of the things that that really later on, we don't live in a world anymore where you can hide, um, <laughs> where you can't get information. And yeah. so if we're doing people disservice when we don't say, hey, sure, look at all the different data sure. that you want to and, and really ponder it and think about it and see what see how that stacks up and use the Bible as your as as the source of truth, but we're not afraid for you to, to question. Yeah. We, we want you to. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we do here at Whole Life Church, for sure. I know that. And I know that that is. So, you know, if you have something that you'd like to add to that, please let us know. 407-965-1607. That is text or voicemail or podcast at wholelife.church. Our final thoughts are really short from Ken's message. He said, Jesus— Happy birthday, Randy. That's not what he said in his message, but thank you. <laughs> I'll take that happy birthday. 50 is a coming quick, people. <laughs> Jesus promises that all who truly seek will find. Amen. And we can trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit to guide us correctly. 
Wow. And, and that just goes back to what we were just talking about. Jesus promises that if you're truly seeking, you're going to find it, whether you agree with everybody else or not, give them the same respect that they're giving you. But we can trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit to guide us correctly. And that might look a little different for each of us. So let's just all go together. I like it. I like it, Randy. All right. Let's see. What's next? Great question number two. Yes. It seems like our world and even Christian organizations give rewards on a merit-based system. What someone can or cannot accomplish, how can we as Christians, and especially those of us who work in various organizations, offer the grace God has given us to others? Stanley and I were talking about this today. And uh, I don't know if I should let the cat out of the bag of what we were thinking or not, but this just seems like an open invitation to mediocrity on a wide, on a wide level. Is that, is that wrong? Am I reading that wrong? Hey, I've, I'm going to give you a trophy just like I'm giving one to Stanley and you will all. <laughs> no. No, this is a fantastic question. It's, it's, it's the question of does grace really only apply to our spiritual lives or is there a case to be made that grace can be extended in the workplace, in the home, mm. and in the community? Gosh, I hope so. And so – I love this question because it's so I think the question is, is grace only the realm of God to give to us, or do we have an obligation to be giving grace out not just to church members, but to uh, our coworkers uh, in our workplace and our in our home? So this is gonna be fun. It is a great question. It is a great question. All right. If you already have questions based on that alone, get those ready to put in the chat on wholelife.church slash live on Saturday morning and Q&A that up so that we can ask that question. Should be a good podcast next week, too. And a good podcast next week because, you know, we're always going to take the the rollover questions that we don't get to here. So that's going to do it. So one quick shout out, Danny Myers, if you're listening, thank you so much for the encouragement. Danny uh, caught me at a taping we did uh, at a mutual uh, event this past week and said just how much he was enjoying the podcast and how much fun it sounds like we're having and that he has really been uh, really Come been hang out with it. us, Danny. See how much fun it is. Ooh, we'll fit look, you in. Look at that, Danny. You know where to find Stanley and I and, and Ken right here at the studio. So uh, if you have some Maybe time. Maybe that's we'll what we can them. do. We can do a merit based uh yeah. people can come watch the taping of this if for you, a for a few dollars or something yeah. merit based something like that if you give us compliments you can be on the show <laughs> how about that for, for much <laughs> no how about that for merit based anyway thank you for the feedback as always guys thanks so much for listening thank you for uh, sticking with us a little bit longer than normal but i just thought that this week there was so much good to talk about and so we appreciate you guys hanging out friday evening you will find that bonus episode in your feed so take care of that as well and send any questions you have for next week and we will cover it all then so thanks for listening and have a fantastic week